Uh, it's great to see you. Um, well, I've been so I've been dealing with a plague, and so those of you that have prayed for me, I really appreciate it. Those of you that did not, shame on you. I'd have been much healthier quicker. But uh, anyhow, uh, last week, man, pa- I called Pastor CJ on Friday and I said, "There's no way I can preach," you know. So he he was like uh, cool about it, and I really appreciate him stepping up at the last minute. And so I think he did a wonderful job. I was able to spend some time in Adrian. And so uh, last week, you know, uh, in this in in the series that we're in called the story, we're literally going through literally going through the Bible, and we're looking at these big, you know, like kind of the, the meta narrative, the big kind of the big pictures uh, or the big stories of, of of everything. And so last week we talked about um, uh, God delivering them out of Egypt, and as they come out of Egypt, they uh, what was supposed to take a few days takes a journey takes them forty years, right? And so uh, last week we talked about that. This week we're going to talk about what happened after those 40 years. I am very excited about this week, uh, th- as I am with all the weeks, but this topic today, we're going to talk about courage. This is one that really gets me, man. I just, I, you know, I, there's movies that I watch that, um, it's those movies that you have, the, the hero's kind of like the ordinary person, and, and, and you know, as the plot builds, the storyline builds, uh, there comes a point in time where the regular person steps up and says enough is enough and he becomes like the hero. He takes on this courage or he or she, he, they take on this courage and, and uh, demonstrate this powerful courage and, and, and I get weepy. Man, I get, I get goosebumps. I get weepy. There's a couple movies uh, that, that I want to share with you real quick here. Uh, just uh, I'm going to point out a couple pictures to you, images. And some of them you're going to be like, yeah, I figured that one would be it. Um, this first one I really like. How many of you know what that movie is? Braveheart, that's kind of like, yeah, if you're going to talk about courage, that's one of them, right? Um, <clears throat> I remember watching this movie, the speech before the Battle of Sterling. He says this, And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day for that one chance? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never... Oh, come on. <laughs> Holy cow. You haven't seen the movie? You haven't seen the movie. Well, let me tell you, your homework assignment about courage, I hate promoting movies, but you could watch this one, uh, is Braveheart. You may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. Man, that for me is, that's the kind of leader I want to get behind. Someone that says, you know what, enough is enough, we're going to go, we're going to go, and we're going to, we're going to make things right. And so they take a stand. This next one, how many of you have seen this one? I'm sure you haven't because you don't watch TV or movies. But uh, you know what this one is? Lord of the Rings, exactly. Do you know which one? I'm just kidding. Uh, there's, uh, this is the battle scene where Aragorn, Return of the King, Aragorn, uh, his speech at the Black Gate. And he says this, A day may come when the courage of men fails. When we forsake our friends, and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not this day. That is awesome. That gives me goosebumps. Today is not today. It this, but it is not this day. And then this next one, how many of you have seen this movie? What is it? The Gladiator. And he says this, one quote but I think is really cool how this one is, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Guys, what we're going to talk about today is courage. And even though these are movies, there's always going to be a time, there will be a time, in fact, 
there will be a time when many of us will be called to demonstrate courage as we follow Christ. Somehow, we as a church, when I say we as a church, I'm talking about the church in general, and this, we have taken our, our walk with Christ and courage and we've kind of make it, made it optional. We, we, we've, it, it's as if that we say, well, you know what, I'm going to try to avoid that. You know, some of us will work very hard at, you know, like in situations like this that we just talked about when it comes to courage, some of us will work very hard to make sure we never get put in a position where we'd have to stand up and really demonstrate courage. Some of us will look at the risk of things and we will try to reduce that risk down to the point to where we will never put ourselves in a position where we have to stand up and say, enough is enough, I'm going to step out with courage and I'm going to make a difference. Some of us, that scares us to death. Especially as Christians. There is so, I don't get it. I don't get it. We have the power, Paul tells us that we have the power that God used, the Father used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead. We have that same power, that dunamis power, living inside of us. And somehow, for a lot of us as Christians, it's like, where's the fire? Where's the courage? Where's the take up the swords, let's go? It's like we keep trying to reduce it down, reduce it down, reduce it down like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit around until Jesus returns or I die and go to heaven. That's not what we've been called to do. Many of us sitting in here this morning are going to be called to demonstrate our courage either as we follow Christ today. Some of us, may, it may be tomorrow, some of us may be this week or this month or this year, whatever. There is going to come a time where you're going to be taking up your cross, you're going to be taking up what all the, the, everything that's in you and demonstrating that courage that says, I am committed to Jesus Christ, I am a follower of Christ, and if it costs me my life, so be it. That's what we've been called to. And, and that is the characteristic that is, that, is, that is desperately needed in our world today, in our church today. It's a quality that's desperately needed, a characteristic that is required to follow Christ. Today in our story, we're going to read about just that. We're going to read about how they came out of Egypt where they cried. If you remember that whole story, they were living in slavery in Egypt. They were, uh, uh, they were the labor force of Egypt. They were doing all the hard work, or the whole hard labor. Uh, it got to the point where they had to do a lot more with, with even less resources. And so... They begin to cry out to God. God hears their prayer. God delivers them. They leave Egypt. God takes them through. He does all these miraculous things. And He brings them to the land that was promised to them some 400 some years before that to Abraham where He said, I'm going to give the, the people this. And He brings them to that point. And then they stand there and they say, we're too scared. We can't take what You promised. Turn to Numbers chapter 13 with me. And I want to read uh, this passage to you. It gives us a... Uh, the, the kind of the big narrative of, the, of, of what's taking place and what has taken place. <coughs> Numbers chapter 13, we'll read through verse, uh, verse 4 or 14. If you didn't bring your Bible, would you please lean forward, grab the one out of the back of the pew in front of you, and, and follow along with me. Maybe for some of you it's going to take courage to lean forward and grab that Bible. That's a, you know... Okay, it's safe. Verse um, 26 of chapter 13 says this, and, and, and let me paint this real quick. They come to the land in which God promised them. They finally get there and they send in 12 spies. Okay? So they send in these spies to bring back some intel of what it looks like and what they're going to do. So those spies come back 
And they report to Moses and Aaron in verse 26, and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Perim. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are very powerful, and the cities are fortified very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites yeah, live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jesuits, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb's like, hey, this is what God's called us to do. This is what we've got to do. There's no option about it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we see there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak from the Nephilim. We, see, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices, and they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us this land to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua was son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us do not be afraid of them. Okay, so here's our story, okay? God says, this is the land I'm bringing you to. I'm taking you out of slavery. I've heard your prayers. I'm taking you out of this land of bondage that you've been, that you've been uh, uh, you know, held in bondage to. And I'm bringing you to the land that I promised your ancestors some hundreds of years ago. Here's the land that's literally flowing, you know, or I shouldn't say literally, but flowing with milk and honey. And so they're right at that, they're right at that, 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 that line, that chasm, that precipice. And so what they do is they send in 12 spies. Why 12? Because they send in one representative of each, each of, the tribe of is, each of the tribes of Israel. There's 12 that make up the 12 sons of Jacob. Each one of them had a representative. And so 12 went in. They go in, they check out the land, they scope it, they bring back the intel. And they said, this land is flowing with milk and honey. Check this out. And they brought fruit back that, were, that was absolutely huge. And so they begin to talk about it. Ten of them said, we can't go in and take the land. The cities are huge. The cities are fortified. There are giants in there, and we look like grasshoppers in their eyes and, and, as well as our own. And so, what do they do? Those ten, two of them though, let me say this, two of them, Joshua and Caleb said, we got to go in. This is what God has called us to do. This is where God has brought us. God is saying, take it. He's already given it to us. But instead, the ten, as always in any assembly, they start permeating out throughout. It's like a yeast. They start getting into the, start bending ears, start talking, start gossiping, start, start persuading, start influencing. And the next thing you know, everybody said, we can't do that. We're full of fear. And they said, oh, if we could just go back to Egypt. Isn't that classic? Isn't that kind of like what we do? Have you ever noticed how our memory fails us when we start looking at the unknown? 
And, and even though the known was horrible, somehow it's become what we want to go back to. We do that a lot too. It's like we go back into these relationships that are so dysfunctional. We go back into these situations that is so debilitating to us. But we stay right here a lot of times because if we go over there, that's the unknown. We don't know this. We don't know what health looks like. We don't know what trusting completely and implicitly in God looks like. But what we do know is back here, which is familiar, even though it's extremely dysfunctional, if we could just go back to Egypt. When did Egypt ever become good? Egypt was horrible. And by the way, oh, God led us out here to die in the wilderness. Really. So, we witnessed these these plagues back here, right? And we were, we were actually um, exempt from all of them except the Passover. If you study that story, the plagues happened to Egypt and they didn't touch the land of Goshen where the Israelites lived. So they didn't even experience really the plagues. They saw them. They witnessed them. So they witnessed these plagues in which God was pouring out His wrath on Egypt to demonstrate He was God. So they see all of that. So... And then, they, then they're part of the Passover. Then they're part of the whole Exodus, where they come up to the Red Sea, where it's where it's banks, you know, where it's you know, just just absolutely impossible to cross with the enemy up against them. They see Moses raise his staff. They uh, God parts the water. They walk through on dry ground, not damp ground, not wet ground, but literally dry ground. They get to the other side, a million or so of them. They turn around. They watch the sea as the Egyptians chase them. They watch the sea come back to its regular, uh, regular stasis, which then drowns all the Egyptian army. They see all of that. Okay? God leads them in the desert, which He uses a, a cloud... Uh, to shield them from the heat during the day. He gives them fire at night, leads them by fire at night, which, presi- which provides them warmth because deserts get very cold uh, in the evenings. They see all these things. They see the manna. They see the quail. They see all this stuff, how God is providing miracle after miracle after miracle just so He could bring them over here to kill them. Isn't that how we often think too? God delivered me from all of this dysfunction and He's going to bring me over here and this is unknown. Surely He's going to kill me. That doesn't make sense. And so that's what they start crying about. And so then the ten start their gossiping. They start chattering. They start getting in everybody's ear. And then they do the whole greatest thing ever in a religious, I think, gathering. They vote on something and in which they say, well, we can't go in and take the land. Right? Where God says, this is what I want to give you. I want to give you this blessing. Oh no, we can't do that. We're going to vote against that. And so, what happens is, instead of getting to go into the land in which God promised them that was flowing with milk and honey, they get to spend 40 years in the desert and die. They do die. Because God says, you're not going to see the promised land. If you're not going to have the faith and trust Me, then you're not going to see the promised land. Only two people Caleb and Joshua. Those were the two spies that said, well, we've got to go in. And so they were able to do it. So here's what we have. We have this generation that gets older. They die. And now we have, Moses dies. And now we have a generation, a new generation and we have a new leader emerging of Joshua. Joshua is appointed leader. And, and um, he's going to lead them into the, into the land. Guys, I wonder how many blessings that you and I miss out on when God brings us to a certain point and we say, yeah, that's, I can't go to the unknown now. 
I can't take that next step because I don't have all the answers. I don't have, I don't, I can't see how it all looks out. And so, for me to cross over here, I don't know if I can do that. I wonder how many of us can really relate with them, with these, with these individuals and see that we miss out on blessings because of that. So nevertheless though, God raises up a leader because it's still going to happen. God's still going to make it happen. And so a generation comes forward. Joshua's appointed leader. And in Joshua chapter 1, if you would please turn over to Joshua with me, I want to share with you um, the, the, the story where we're, going to start, where we're going to have the courage to go into the promised land, into the land that God was giving them and they were going to, they, as they go in and take it. <coughs> in Joshua chapter 1, It says, Moses, my servant is dead. And this is God talking to Joshua. He says, my, my, Moses, sir, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I want you to pay close attention to verse 3, guys. And if you don't get excited about this, you really need to spend some time doing some, checking your excitability meter because something is off, okay? Verse 3 says this. God's talking here. This isn't something else. This is God. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. God said, I made a promise that I'm going to come through and that I'm going to fulfill. Every place you set your foot, Joshua, I will give to you. Guys, that's the same message that God has given you and I. When God is leading us, when God is leading you, when God's saying, I want you to go in this direction, He's saying the same exact thing to you. He's saying, I've already promised this to you. I've willed it. It's going to happen. He tells Joshua this same thing. How could you not be full of courage? Every place you set your foot, Joshua, I will give to you because I already promised it to Moses. How do you not say, well, let's go. I mean, you can't lose, right? So Joshua... It says in verse 4, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then, and then we see this motif throughout Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful, to, be, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Again, we keep seeing this phrase. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, the land that you're looking at right now, I've already given it to you. Be strong and courageous and take the land. Joshua, the land that you see, every place you set your foot, I'm going to give you victory. Be strong and courageous. Joshua, I am with you. Be strong and very courageous. Take what I'm giving, what I have promised. Guys, there are some of you sitting in here today, I would like to say all of us, but I, and that's my prayer that all of us would be, but today is a day where God is looking into our lives. He's wanting to lean into your life and for you to encounter Him. And He's telling you today this message. I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. Where I have led you, where I'm leading you, I will continue to lead you that way. I'm going before you. I'm after you. I'm hemming you in. I want you to be strong and courageous. For some of you sitting in here today, 
for some of you sitting in here today, the word to be strong and courageous is going to hit you exactly where you're at. Because today might be the day where you become very strong and courageous and you finally make that decision to follow Christ today. Today's the day. If some of you, it's going, you're going to be strong and courageous because, because God is calling you to repair a relationship that He's been leading you to and He's asking you to trust in Him and saying today is the day. It's time to be strong and courageous. I've led you to this point. I will, it will happen. I want, you to re, I want you to be strong and courageous. For some, He's calling you to be strong and courageous to go to your employer tomorrow and to stand up for what is true and to say, I cannot engage in these unethical practices or this lack of integrity any longer. And for some, it's going to take that sense of being strong and courageous to say, enough is enough, no more, and if I have to put my family at risk, I will put my family at risk, but I'm trusting in God because God is calling me to be strong and courageous even when I don't have all the answers. For some of you today, it's time to be strong and courageous and confess brokenness. And today's the day. Over this past year, we have seen individuals come. We had videos where people have come and they've said, I will be strong and courageous. I will share my story. This is not my story. It's God's story. But as my story goes out and God uses it, it's used to encourage other people. For some of you today, you have a story that God is wanting to write. God is wanting to tell so that it will encourage someone else in here along the journey as well. And today might be the day where you become strong and courageous and you become that person that God wants to use in that respect. Maybe today's the day you become strong and courageous and you begin to fight for your marriage. You know it's on the rocks. You know it's not healthy. You know that it's not where it should be. And maybe today's the day where you stop wandering around and you say, today is the day that I fight and I be strong and courageous with my marriage. Maybe today's the day where you're strong and courageous and you make that decision to take the next step and be baptized, confessing and publicly, or publicly sharing with others, your peers and the rest of our body that says, my life has been radically changed and I am taking that step to become strong and courageous and become the follower that I've been called to be. Maybe today's the day that someone sitting in here that you're going to be strong and courageous and you're going to stop being a fan of Jesus Christ. As Ortberg says, you're going to stop dating Him, you're going to stop courting Him, and you're going to stand up and be courageous, and you're going to do as the Gospels say, as Jesus Christ said throughout the Gospels, consider the cost, because it's going to cost you everything. It's not just dating Him, but it's sacrificing your life to Him, committing your life to Him, saying, my life is completely yours. Consume my life. Do with me what you will. And today's the day for you to be strong and courageous and say, I'm done playing the game. Guys, this is what we need. Our church and church in general need people that become strong and courageous and they begin to realize that God is calling them into a much deeper way of life than we've been living. And I'm preaching to myself. Have we considered the cost? Jesus always says, consider the cost. Consider the cost. Because it will cost you everything. For some of us, we've taken this sense of Christianity and we've made it this this eternal 
ticket to heaven where we said, I've got my ticket, now I can just sit back and wait. That's not what the Bible teaches. We are on a journey. God is calling every single one of us that has accepted His free gift of grace and salvation into this journey to consider the cost to sacrifice our total being, to live our life completely and implicitly for Him, where we are engaged with Him, where we are on this journey where He is coming to us and He's saying, I want to take you so much deeper into this relationship. And we're responding, we're saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Even though it may cost us something. For some of us, that's the message that God has for us. I would like to say that, and it is for all of us, but I would like to say every single one of us will respond to this message today that's the same as Joshua that says it's time to take the land. Quit wandering around. It's time to take the land. Joshua, be strong and courageous. So they send out two spies to check it out. They go into the city of Jericho, which is going to be the first first giant, if you will, the first giant in which they're going to have to deal with. And so um, they, they send out the spies, they come back with some intel, and it's time to cross the Jordan. Now, just like God always does, He always makes things kind of out of the ordinary so that we can't look back and say, well, I can take credit for that. So as they begin to cross the Jordan, we read that it's, it's either springtime or something, but it's at flooding stage. And so there's no way to cross it, so... Classic God. God tells them to cross and as soon as they step down, the waters will part, which is exactly what happened. They too walk through on dry ground. Not damp ground, not moist ground. Dry ground. They walk through, they cross the Jordan River, and as they get to the other side, God says, I want you to take 12 stones. Why 12? One representing each tribe of the nation of Israel. 12 sons of Jacob. They take 12 stones. God says, I want you to build a monument. I want you to build a monument so when anybody asks, I want you to remember and I want you to be able to tell that person exactly what this means. What happened today and what's going to happen in the future. And so they build this monument. They worship God. And it's time to go and conquer. And so as they come up, they come up as the first camp, this, this first campaign that they have in taking over the land that God promised them of Canaan. They stare at a city by the name of Jericho. A large city with these massive walls surrounding it. Huge, massive walls. Here's what I think as a human. As they came up to that city that had these huge, massive walls, I can't help but think, how did they or ask the question, how did their courage not melt at that point in time? How did they not like, you know, God leads them to this point and it's like, holy cow, what do we, I mean, what do we do now? How did their courage not melt? And to be, and to, and to add to that, God says, this is how you're going to take over this city. I want you to get some trumpets, get a couple guys together, take the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to walk around this thing for so many days, and on the last day you're going to walk around more, and then you're going to be blowing your trumpets and all this other stuff, and on the last day, when you do that, you're going to walk around multiple times, and the walls are going to come crashing down. How do you not look at that and say, Huh? You want us to walk around this city blowing a trumpet and then walk around it a couple more times on the last day and the wall is going to come tumbling down. Why didn't Joshua's courage melt? Why didn't they say, we're not in a good situation? I think the answer to that question is found in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. 
Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. God says this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Guys, this verse, this verse is given to Joshua before the walls of Jericho came crashing down. This is an oxymoron. This is a past tense that's being given in the future, or in the, in the present. They come up to the walls of Jericho and they see this fortified city and it's still standing. And Joshua, in the back of his mind, has these words where God said, see, I delivered Jericho in your hands. Wait a minute, I don't see that yet, God. There's still walls here. There's still thick walls. But somehow, these guys did not wane from this. They didn't melt with their courage. They didn't back down. They didn't get scared. They didn't question. They went forward because they believed Joshua had the faith and the trust in God that said, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Guys, what walls, what Jericho are you looking at today? What walls or what Jericho are you looking at that God has brought you to that said, I have delivered this to you. I'm asking you to conquer it. Which means to have the faith and trust. Well, I've got a relationship over here that you, I know that you're leading me into, God, that you want me to repair, you want me to fix, but I don't see how that's going to work, God. I don't see how this is going to make sense. Let me tell you how it's going to make sense. I've already delivered it to you. All I'm asking you to do is trust me and to follow through. God, you want me to go to my job tomorrow and you want me to quit? You want me to address this where I'm saying no more? Enough is enough. I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to work with a lack of integrity that's unethical. How in the world am I going to support my family? I'm going to tell you how I'm going to support you. You're going to support your family is I've already delivered you this. All I'm asking you to do is to trust. I've already willed it. What is your wall? Okay, here's the big one. This is the one you can take home and talk about over lunch. Ready? If you try to tell me, as a, and if you're a Christ follower, and you have Jesus Christ living inside of you, and you try to tell me that you will never ever experience a Jericho or you don't have a wall in your life, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't think that's what the Word of God teaches. And in fact, if you don't come up against some Jerichos, I think you need to take a critical look at your relationship. Not question your relationship, but where you're going in it. You know why I say that? It's because I believe this is a journey, guys. We're on a journey. And as we are sitting here in this time and space, in this reality, we haven't arrived yet. And if we haven't arrived yet, that means that I'm not perfect. I know you think I am, but I, that means that we're not perfect. We haven't stood before Jesus face to face where He says, well done, My faithful servant. Come in. And we receive that new body, that glorious body where we don't have to struggle with sin, where we don't have to struggle with all the impurities of this world, all the fallenness of this world, the junk of this world. Until then, we're on a journey. And God's continually coming to you asking you to go deeper. He's continually reaching into your life, leaning into you saying, there is so much more that I want you to experience in this relationship with me. Some of us, we've been led to a Jericho and we look at it and we say, I don't know how I can go deeper with you, God, because I see this wall and it's not coming down. And God's saying, it's already come down. 
have the faith and the trust, be strong and courageous and follow me. Where are you at today? God is... God's message for us today is be strong and courageous. If we are one of His children, again, we have the power of the cross living inside of us. If you're going to sit there and tell me that this Christian life is supposed to be boring and it's, and it's just drab, I don't know what you're talking about. I really don't. Because that's going against what the Word of God teaches. That's going against what the Bible teaches. And there's a word for that. It's called heresy. God has so much, just like these guys. He brings them to this point. He's telling these people, I've brought you here. I want to give you what I promised your ancestors so many hundreds of years ago. That's what He told the first group. And they said, can't do that. Can't do that. Why? Because we're scared. We're scared. And we're not going to do it. And so they miss out on incredible blessings that God wants to give us. Paul tells us in Ephesians that God pours out these, just lavishly pours out these spiritual blessings on us. God is such a God of love that He's saying, you're, one, you're my child. Don't you know what I have for you? And I know as humans we don't know. But, but, but He's saying there is so much that I want to bless you with. As one of my children... As I adopt you into my family, you are heirs with Jesus, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You are a child of the King now. And for some of us, we can't get over that hurdle. We don't experience that because it's hard for us to be strong and it's hard for us to be courageous. And so we live a life that's full of mediocrity and it's appealing, it's appealing to no one, even ourselves. For some of you in here this morning, though, you're on fire. And when we talk about this, you get it. And you're ready to come up against your next Jericho because you're trusting God. And you said, you know what? I saw the last Jericho that I conquered. I want to see God do it again. And it's exciting to you. What is God asking you to demonstrate courage today and act upon it? The Holy Spirit is here, guys. The Holy Spirit is in this room right now. He wants to interact with you. If you allow Him, if you allow yourself to be vulnerable and transparent, the Holy Spirit is here to, to, to lead you deeper into that relationship with God. And it may look completely unconventional, just like it did for these guys, but God has already willed it. The question is, will you act upon it and become very co- courageous by trusting Him and realize the blessings that, he's always, that He already wants to give you. I can't think of a better way of demonstrating that than through the symbolism of communion. Because, because communion is essentially saying, God, I've, I've accepted Your free gift of grace and salvation, and I want to celebrate that. You've considered the cost. And you're saying, I want to live my life very strong and courageous. And here in a few moments, I want to invite you forward to, to participate in that, to celebrate in that. If you're, you don't have to be a member of Element Church to, be a, to, to come and take a part, but the one thing you do have to be is a member of God's family. That means you have to have accepted His free gift of grace and salvation and that you're living for Him. Paul tells us that if we take communion 
and we're not living in that relation. We don't have that. We're literally damning ourselves. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. And so, it doesn't matter if you're a member here or not, but if you're a child of God, come and celebrate. And I pray that this might be a day where as you come and celebrate, you come and you're 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 maybe coming and, you're, and maybe you're reconnecting. You're saying, you know what, God. I've been living a life that's been pretty mediocre and it's time for me to be strong and courageous and it's time for me to tackle the Jerichos that you've presented in my life. And I'm ready to rock and roll. I want to be that. And so, celebrate that. Here's the other thing I want, I want you to do. Um, the band's going to start playing a song called Whom Shall I Fear? Correct? Okay. Whom Shall I Fear? They're going to play through it once and sing it. You'll see the lyrics up here. Don't worry about singing it while they're doing it. What I want you to do is take communion, but lean into the lyrics of this song. Because this song so grabs a hold of the message of what we're talking about today. Whom shall I fear? We've been... God goes before us. God's behind us. God has hemmed us in, as the psalmist says. Whom shall I fear? Paul says the same thing. If God is for us, who can be against us? Whom shall I fear? I think it's exactly what Joshua embraced. If God has already delivered Jericho to us, if He's going to give us every place we place, or every every area that we place our feet, who, what is there to be afraid of? Be strong. Be courageous. Lean into these lyrics as you take communion, and then what's going to happen when we're done? We're going to go through that song again, and we're going to sing it together as a community of faith, acknowledging that. Whom shall I fear in singing our trust and our, our, um, our, our praise and our worship to God? Would you do that? Just come, take communion as God leads you. And then, uh, but again, lean into those lyrics, pay attention to them, and then join in as we start that song again. Lord God, would you cement that truth into our hearts today? God, not just in our minds, but in our hearts so that as we leave here today, we can go with enormous amounts of courage and strength knowing that You have overcame, knowing that You've already willed it, knowing that the Jerichos in our lives, You've already delivered into our hands. God, we give You glory today. For those in here that are being defeated and in bondage, God, I pray that You would break that. Give them the understanding of the life that they can have, God. Every one of us. May we go and live our lives in victory, in courage, and in strength. In the powerful name of Your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray and we ask these things. Amen. Guys, it was great worshiping with you here this week. We hope to see you back here next week as we continue in our series called The Story. Have a great week.